Welcome everyone to our first episode of Talking Wild. I'm your host Stefano Daza and I am so excited to have you here today. To kick off our channel, we'll be recording a multi-episode series focused on our brand new documentary, Africa Rewilded. Co-hosting with me will be my great friend, Suyash Katri. He's a talented wildlife filmmaker who has worked for WWF, World Wildlife Fund, and most recently with Zeva on our documentary project. Because of coronavirus, we had to record this podcast remotely, so I do apologize for the minor sound issues that we have towards the end of the episode. But regardless, Suyash and I have a great conversation. We touch on how we decided to undergo this project, as well as the uniqueness of the South African conservation model. You'll learn a little bit more about us, and we discuss a couple other topics as well. So without further ado, I bring to you episode one of Talking Wild. Today with me, I have my co-host, Suyash Kesri. Suyash, how you doing, man? Doing great, man. I wish I was actually there with you, but following the practice, I am all the way in India instead of being there in the United States. <laughs> so that's, that's some social distancing, right? That is extreme social distancing, but <laughs> thanks to technology, it looks like we're right next to each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy that I can hear you on two different devices and also see you. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. So, Suyash. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, why you're, why we're such good friends. Yeah, um, well, my name is Suyash Keshri. For those who don't know me, uh, I'm a wildlife filmmaker and presenter and a photographer. I'm born and brought up in central India. Uh, but for the past six years, I was in the United States. Um, but then I recently left my job. Uh, in the political advocacy field in Washington, D.C., and moved back to India uh, to fulfill my childhood dream of having my own uh, wildlife series, uh, which I launched with uh, WWF International uh, in December 2019, and it's called Safari with Suyash. Uh, Stefano and I met uh, back in 2016 in uh, South Africa when I was making my first ever film about tracking lions on foot, and um, I, he, he, was, he was working at the same reserve uh, I was filming in. And I looked at him and I'm like, huh, seems like a cool guy. <laughs> and yeah, we, we clicked immediately. Little and... did you know that I was the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's not stretch our imagination or that of our audiences. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we, we clicked and we stayed in touch. And yeah, we just decided to work uh, together on several projects. Um, yeah, and you studied in Wake Forest, right? So you moved from India to the United States, studied in Wake Forest. Yeah. You I, pursued a career in lobbying, was it? Yeah, kind of. It's, it's you know, we like to call it political advocacy. Um, lobbying usually gets a bad rep. But honestly, like my political advocacy was towards more like bringing India and the United States closer together on uh, economic and military affairs. Uh, so it wasn't like traditional lobbying where we're lobbying for like big oil or big pharma or other things that, that potentially are not too good for the environment uh, necessarily. So how did, you, how did you make that huge change to wildlife filmmaking? Well, I've, I've been uh, into wildlife since I was four years old. I grew up in central India. Wildlife was always close to me. And 
you know, there, there was always something gnawing at the inside that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, not sitting behind a desk uh, and, and, and constantly uh, doing something that I don't particularly love or I'm passionate about. Um, of course, even now, my job involves a lot of sitting behind the desk. That's, that doesn't change it. But now I'm sitting behind the desk and looking at some things and doing something that I actually love doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I think that one of the reasons why you and I get along so well, and we usually talk about this whenever we're working together, is because we have a very similar outlook on life. Um, we're both like avid nature lovers. We love wildlife. It's almost like a like a fascination that people don't understand. It's like hundred percent. We just we just enjoy being out in nature and seeing these magnificent animals doing their thing and just like being part of it is just an amazing amazing feeling yeah you know recently i've been i've been noticing like people always ask me what is so addicted about my life and recently i've uncovered that in me that just just like how a lot of people in the military uh, are addicted to the adrenaline that's what it is for me. It's that adrenaline of finding a tiger or finding something that I've never seen before or being in that experience that just gets me. And then you just yeah. want more and more and more. Uh, so I'm really excited to be doing this podcast because I feel like hopefully we could share some of that adrenaline and all of our stories with the audience, get them interested uh, to travel the world uh, for, in, in, in matters which benefit the wildlife, benefit the environment and brings us closer uh to to our long lost cousins honestly (laughs) dude i agree i think a lot of people will find a lot of um, similar ideas that they have in our conversations and we'll touch on a lot of those cool uh, important topics very quickly i want to introduce myself to anybody in the audience that doesn't know who i am um so my name is stefano daza i was born in venezuela but i grew up in canada And as a little boy, I would always go camping in northern Ontario, which is like northern Canada. Um, And that's when I first came in to real contact with nature. I would be camping and I would be in these national parks with, you know, lakes and trees and mountains and wolves and moose. And I was just absolutely fascinated with it. And I knew that I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to these things. Um, But I didn't know how. And in college, I had the opportunity to uh, do some volunteer work in South Africa. Then I did some um, internships, research in Botswana. And then I did some work in South Africa. That's where I actually met you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's where we hit it off as friends in 20, what was it, 2014? No, 2016. Dude, 2014 is when we went to college. Yeah, that's when we went to college. (laughs) And... um, Studied abroad in the Galapagos Islands for about six months. And that's when I was inspired to start a company that was about nature and got people excited about nature in creative ways and somehow gave back to conservation. And one thing led to another. That's how we came up with Zeba. Um, We work with artists to come up with different themed collections that each have an environmental theme. And they're very stylish. They're very cool clothes, but it's all about nature. But what really makes us different is that we use some of our profits to do our own nature conservation projects. 
So the first project that we launched, I did with your help, um, Africa Rewilded, our documentary, out now on YouTube. If you haven't seen it... Only the best documentary ever. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> do yourself a favor and go to it right now and watch it. You have nothing else to do during quarantine. Um, and also, you guys can find out more about Zeba and what it does um, just going on zebaapparel.com. And, and learning more about uh, the vision and mission and also uh, support the company during these tough times um, by buying merchandise. Uh, you know, not only does it help uh, us run our businesses and back end, but also devote this uh, towards uh, helping others who are working towards wildlife conservation uh, through grants as well as uh, direct donations. So please uh, definitely go check out www.zebaapparel.com. And Absolutely. do follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. Every little bit counts during these difficult moments. Um, and we would definitely appreciate your help and support. But yeah, um, the goal is to not only sell clothes, but to actually have a meaningful impact behind um, the conservation efforts that we do. And that's why we launched our documentary to spread awareness about wildlife conservation in Africa. Why we launched Zebra Grants, which are micro grants to people who want to start um, environmental projects in the community. And that's why I started working with you, Tiyash, because you and I are both very into conservation. We want to actually leave a positive legacy on what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, now like moving on to the uh, to our first project, let's talk about Zeba Untamed in South Africa. How much I wish uh, that I was not stuck in Delhi and I was instead in the middle of South Africa, dung beetle or a lion or something, you know? <laughs> it's kind of crazy. We were there in September, right? Mm-hmm. Seems so recent, but actually leading up to the project, it took almost a year to prepare and get ready for it. Absolutely. And the world... I re- so much since then and that's where i think you know the entire world is going through a ridiculously tough time but this is also a particularly tough time for people who are involved in wildlife conservation whether it be the foot soldiers who uh, defend uh, endangered animals from poachers uh, the managers who own private game reserves uh, the people like you and I who are in this field in terms of documentary filmmakers, um, right now mm-hmm. podcasters, um, and also just wildlife in general, because a lot of wildlife reserves are completely under uh, under understaffed right now. It's the perfect time for poachers. So it's it's or even even worse than that, they're completely <clears throat> closed for business. There is zero tourism travel yeah. right now to um south africa and the rest of africa there's these reserves depend on tourism income to keep their gates open and to keep their wildlife um owned house there yeah and safe so the yeah and the global pandemic has taken that revenue source away and you know who knows what's going to happen with these reserves, depending on how long this carries out. 
Absolutely. And that also goes on to show, you know, this is why we are bringing you guys this podcast, not only so that you can listen to something uh, exciting during the time of quarantine, but also find ways and outlets to connect with nature, because no matter where you are in this, in the, in the world, just the fact that you connect with nature means you grow to love it and whatever you grow to love, you can fight and protect. Uh, so we Absolutely. wish that you're going to be protecting um, your backyard trees, your backyard plants, uh, if that's all that you can do, do during these quarantine. And that just reminds me, you know, just being in Africa at that time, we could have never imagined that something like this would happen. And looking back, it's, it's the perfect time for you and I to kind of venture back into that moment and live it vicariously through this podcast. Yeah. I, I agree. And you just brought up a good um, good point, which is how we should care about things um, and how we should try to protect it. That was kind of the mission behind Zeba Untamed. It was the, I, the goal when I reached out to you was to create a documentary about current wildlife conservation in South Africa and how to show people how it really works, you know, that it's not all just Lion King um it's it's very much a organized structure that if people understand they can actually support um mm-hmm. either by being <clears throat> tourists or supporting um private entities or organizations working on conservation and i remember when i reached out to you that was the very first thing i said to you i was i told you i want to make a documentary that shows people what real life conservation is in south africa and it just worked out that you were already planning a trip there for your series, Safari with Suyash, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I was filming season two. Filming, well, I guess in production. I'm not filming right now because I can't. But yeah, f- like 50% was filmed during that time. In fact, uh, you know, Zabe has its name on a few episodes itself. So that's fantastic. I can't wait to release mm-hmm. them. And it just worked out well. So yeah, there's something to be said about destiny here. Uh, though more often than not, I don't believe yeah. in it. But there's something seriously to be told about that. Serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out well. Um, so why don't we tell people why we chose South Africa? Why not anywhere else in the world? Why did you choose South Africa? It was your idea in the first place to you know bring together this whole thing. I was already going to South Africa. Why yeah. did you choose South Africa? I think South Africa is one of the wildest places in the world um it's it's also one of the most um industrialized countries in in the world in south africa in africa in particular so it was really interesting to me how they've been able to balance um conservation and developing an economy and i've had experience in south africa before so i knew the story that I was going to tell really well. I wanted something that I could, um, that I had a lot of understanding before I went to tell the story so that I could tell the correct story or at least a good picture of what's actually going on. And thanks to the work that I had done in South Africa previously, you know, I kind of knew um, the story of private reserves, um, private safaris and the, the wildlife industry and i thought it was a fascinating story i thought this was something that was extremely inspiring and that people would really enjoy um 
And yeah, I thought it would be a good first project for Zeba to do because it was something that we already had our foot in. Yeah, the absolutely. You know, there's so many misconceptions. People think Africa is this incredibly wild place. Uh, yet in many places, it's such an industrialized nation. And just like every other country, the wildlife in Africa, not only in South Africa, across Africa is slowly diminishing. So it's not that they, uh, in South Africa that you have these incredibly huge national parks only, but you also have these private reserves, which people don't know, really know about and, and that are playing an important part in conservation, which we cover in, in, in uh, Zabon Tame in Africa Rewilded. Uh, and yeah. that is a very unique concept. And people forget to realize you know, that, that wildlife conservation can actually be profitable. And we'll be talking more about uh, how the profitability in wildlife conservation impacts wildlife conservation in future episodes. Uh, but I want also to yeah. see, Stefano, like, you know, people in India um, and people in U.S., two different countries, but mm-hmm. people, both the places, they kind of think in one certain way. Of course, people in, across the world, when it comes to this specific question, uh, um, think in one certain way. And they think that the wild is this Shangri-La, kind of like Lion King, as you said, right? Wildlife is not Lion King-like. I mean, there's there's a lot of death. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of there's no peace necessarily between other animals. And I guess like bringing the raw nature to people can be very difficult sometimes because not everyone realizes that a lion must leave its pride and then take over another pride and then kill the cubs. Um, that's how genetic yeah. uh, populations will survive in the future. So I, I think you uh, are bringing up some really important points that we should talk about. The first is the romanticized version of nature that we've been sold by Disney and by, to some degrees, like BBC with Planet Earth and blue planet and everything that you know everything is wild and untouched and humans are separate from nature and that's one topic um and let's discuss that but there's also this theme that nature is raw and merciless and unforgiving and you know it's kill or be killed survival of the fittest um and these two are blurred by um I guess the media and what they present to us because what sells is majestic animals. Um, Sometimes I guess they'll show the hunt and everything, but so part of um, Zeba Untamed's Africa Rewilded project was to demonstrate that in South Africa, at least there are two forces, um, the humans and nature, and that they don't necessarily have to be at odds with each other. They can coexist um, in a mutual win-win relationship. And what's really cool about South Africa, as we learned, is that it's one of the few countries where wildlife is actually privately owned, which I know in India, all the wildlife belongs to the government, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 100% of I it. think, I think that that's the same in the United States and in Europe. Um, so, in South Africa, whoever owns land owns all the wildlife in that land and can decide what to do with it. Um, and now, because 
safaris and ecotourism are so popular before coronavirus, it was very profitable for these landowners to have wildlife in their property and to let people come and pay to witness and experience that wildlife in a safari. I think, I think that that is one thing that we were trying from the beginning very hard to convey in our film. And I think we did a very good job by highlighting Scotia and the Bean family yeah. and how they've been able to do it. Yeah. And of course, we'll be talking more deeply into uh, those topics, delving more deeply into those topics rather and talking more about it in our future episodes. Uh, but we just wanted to lay out the foundation for uh, our conversations in the upcoming episodes and let you guys be aware of the kind of conversations we're going to be having. Uh, all right. We decided on South Africa. You knew you wanted to cover African wildlife in ways that has never covered before. I was going to be there in South Africa. And then we decided to meet up in this very secluded part of Africa near Eastern Cape and in a game reserve called Scotia Private Game Reserve. And that is back to the place where we first met. Yeah, where it all began. Absolutely. So why, why Scotia? Well, as we talked about in our documentary, Scotia was one of the first private game reserves on the Eastern Cape. Um, one of the first private game reserves in South Africa. And I thought that what a great place to convey this whole theme as one of the places where it actually got started. And it's one of the few reserves still in South Africa that is small enough that it's owned by a family and it's not run like a corporation. A lot of these large safaris um, have foreign investors. I know that a few are, you know, um, are owned by the Saudi princes and stuff like that. Yeah, I went, to from... a, I went to a reserve uh, where the owner uh, owns 18 diamond mines across Africa. And, you know, the, the concept of blood diamonds were in, in uh, conflict diamonds across uh, Africa. Um, that also goes on to show, you know, private game reserves aren't perfect in, in what they do. Again, something we'll cover on a separate podcast, standalone podcast, where we'll just talk about private conservation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, one, one of my favorite parts about Scotia was, as you were saying, it's family managed. I just loved how Bean, um, he's five, nearly 70-year-old guy. Um, he got white hair, fantastic dude. But here is a 60-year-old doing manual labor uh, from everything to like chopping trees to digging up the floor, tying his boat, uh, which is an enormously difficult task for those of you who haven't done it uh, because you have to put your entire weight behind a boat dragging you back into the ocean. Uh, and so many other things, including his family. This is a man that has... This is a man and a family who has been tied to this land for generations and... He took a very big risk when he started the game reserve by converting it from a very profitable cattle farm to a new idea of having wild animals, which were back then seen as pests and as almost like weeds. Like, why would you have antelope when they just eat your crops and compete with your cattle? And he took that risk and he saw an opportunity and, and he made it happen. And, you know, I first met Mr. Bean on my first trip to South Africa. I actually um, did a overnight stay at Scotia as a guest 
and I got to meet him at dinner and I absolutely loved the man. I knew he was a visionary from the start, kept in touch with him. And when I wanted to create this project, I reached out to him and told him our plan and he was more than excited to let it happen, to share his story with the world. So that's why we chose Scotia because it was perhaps one of the best places to convey this this idea, this movement of wildlife conservation happening from the ground up, from private citizens. Um, and I just thought it was a remarkable place. Yeah, and, you know, there's also so much to be said, like the, the personal connection that you had with the Bean family and I had with the place and the Bean family as well. Uh, it helped us convey the story in a better manner. Uh, even though Africa has hundreds of game reserves, I think we would not have been able to do justice to the story because I feel like the beans felt so comfortable with us that they were able to share everything. And then something really creepy started happening within the first few days of us being there. And what was that? So basically, I was asked uh, to... Because uh, our host here, Stefano, does not how to ride a stick shift. Um, and didn't know how to drive. Yeah, didn't. Well, I still think you don't know how to drive. I tried teaching you, but I, I'm not very confident in your driving, uh, especially a four by four in in the in in front of large animals that can crush you to death, and also uh, terrain that if you if you make a wrong move, you'll go tumbling down the hill. So we started uh, with a range uh, vehicle, uh, which is a four by four Land Rover. Um, one of one of our assistants was at the back. Uh, Stefano was riding shotgun, and I was driving. And the first night when we went, ventured out, um, and it was just without a camera, you know, just wanted to get situated. And I've done this a lot with wildlife, so I know how to drive around wildlife. I know how to track with track wildlife, um, and I know how to how to be when any animal might charge at you or keep a safe distance. Basically, I'm a bush guy. I know my stuff when it comes to wildlife. But when we entered this uh, part of the reserve, we came across three lions and they were freaking chasing our vehicle. I think this is a good stopping point. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we should continue this conversation in the next episode. Join us on the next episode of Talking Wild, where Suyash and I talk about the crazy experience of filming in the African bush. We come close to certain death multiple times, and I have no doubt that you'll find it extremely enjoyable. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know and share it with your friends and family. We're trying to grow our community as big as possible. Thank you, and remember to stay wild. Until next time.